So, Caitlin, who are we canceling today? How about the University of North Carolina? Yeah, they did. They did Nicole Hannah-Jones dirty. Yeah, and I think my favorite part about this is it sort of exposed our favorite cancel culture grifters in a very real way. But we'll get more into that later. Hey, everyone. I'm Caitlin Burns. And I'm Olive Rash Klein. And you're listening to Cancel Me Daddy. The show where we take a closer look at all of the panic around cancel culture. With thoughtful analysis. And verbal shitposting. It is good to be back, Caitlin. It is. I missed you and I missed this show. Um, For those of you who don't know, we did miss our show two weeks ago because I unfortunately had some health problems. We were supposed to record on the Monday before the show was supposed to go up and I was in the hospital all day the day before. So we just never were able to make it happen. We don't plan to make it a habit to miss shows, but um, Oliver was also in the middle of a move, so we do apologize for that. But the good news is, is Oliver has moved in, although their apartment apparently (laughs) is a little noisy, and also I'm feeling much better. Um, Hopefully you notice a difference in my energy level versus our last couple of shows. Um, Well, I am glad that you are okay, Caitlin, and I am delighted to be here with you today. We missed so much, too. Like, there's so much good material that we could have used over the last couple of weeks that we just missed. And I feel really bad about that. But at the same time, like, we physically could not record the show. There's always going to be nonsense to talk about, (laughs) no matter what. Are you saying we're never going to run out of content? Because that's a big responsibility. I know that that's like a really big claim to say we'll never run out of content, but I don't think we're ever going (laughs) to run out of content. There's so much bullshit. Um, And yeah, you might be able to hear I'm probably a little bit echoey and you might hear some... um, I'm figuring out my my setup in my new apartment, but you might hear some outside noise or my upstairs neighbors stomping. Who knows? Um, <laughs> we'll do our best to get that out of the show, but there's only so much we can do and I'm figuring out my setup. So thank you for bearing with me. Um, it will get sorted in time, but now is not that time. <laughs> it's like a pick your own adventure book where you don't know what you're going to get and it's different every time. Yep. Yep. It's really good for, for uh, podcast recording. Yes. <laughs> <sighs> but you know what? We're just doing doing our goddamn best, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so Oliver, did you see Discover Pods? They like assigned a podcast to a Super Smash Brothers fighter. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. It's such a cool article where they take like every Super Smash Brothers character and assign a podcast to them. Yeah. So like Joe Rogan was like Wario, which is perfect. But we were lucky enough to be included in that list, which I just I was honored to be included. But I think their choice is actually dead on the money for character. Did you see who they chose? Sonic! Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh my gosh, can we be the Sonic the Hedgehog with the teeth? (laughs) Oh god. Are you serious? I'm so obsessed with Sonic the Hedgehog with the teeth. My god, the teeth. I have nightmares about the teeth sometimes. I'm sorry, that might have been too cha- too much chaotic energy to bring right now. <laughs> We're just roaring back into the show. 
Yeah, they said Sonic is cancel me daddy since out of all the fighters, he is the one with the most active Twitter account and was very popular in the 90s. So that can only go so well. Yeah, it was such a delight to check the Twitter account and see (laughs) this lovely listicle about us being Sonic and a bunch of other cool podcasts being uh, Super Smash Brothers characters. Yeah. No, it it was a delight while we were away. Another delight while we were away is some uh, Apple reviews that we got. There's one that just made me uh, smile really big. It's from Topeka's Queerest Son. And the headline was Hotter Than Beanie Babies and a Better Investment, which... (laughs) That's great. So true to my heart. Um, Love that. Uh, Do you want to read it, Caitlin? Yeah. Okay, so this person wrote... Whether one has no clue what cancel culture is or simply has been curious about trending snippets, I recommend this podcast. It's informative and entertaining with solid discussion. The conservative outrage machine might be an attempt to dissuade marginalized groups from requesting accountability. I feel this is similar to respectability politics. Three ring circus aside, may Cancel Me Daddy have a long and promising run. Love that review from Topeka's Queerest Son made me smile so big. And, you know, the Cancel Daddy says we will never run out of content. So hopefully we do have a long and promising run. Oh, we do. (laughs) We really, really do. (laughs) Okay, well, do we want to get to the show? Yes, let's get into it. So I have been keeping an eye on what is going on with Nicole Hannah-Jones's job at the University of North Carolina. And it's pretty shameful. It's pretty ridiculous, the bullshit that they're pulling. Yeah. And there's like several characters now involved in this um, that sort of show up out of nowhere. And the discourse over this has been very, I would say, revealing in a lot of ways. Um, it's exposed some double standards here uh, among a certain crowd. To say the least. <laughs> For those who haven't been following, she was offered a job at UNC as the night chair in race and investigative journalism. Um, but that's usually a tenured position and she wasn't offered tenure. Um, and backing up a little bit further, so everybody kind of knows who we're talking about, Nicole Hannah-Jones sort of spearheaded the 1619 Project at the New York Times, which went on to win a Pulitzer um, and like generated all kinds of really predictable backlash from the right wing, you know, the racist media apparatus, and our favorite centrist grifters uh, got up in arms about it, and... Yeah, so she was offered this position at the University of North Carolina that's usually tenured, and they made the offer with no tenure. And it's, I think it's really illustrative of a lot of the things that we've been talking about, how there are double standards to a lot of this stuff. Like, this is a very clear case of somebody who presented really radical heterodox ideas, which supposedly we should be celebrating and protecting, according to some. And she was punished for it in very clear material ways. But I think you wanted to talk a little bit about like the circumstances behind like who would made this decision and sort of what went into it. Do you want to cover that a little bit? 
Yeah. And before we kind of delve into kind of how it all unfolded, I wanted to just touch on the way that the right wing critics have taken the 1619 project for those who haven't been following and totally uh, criticizing it in bad faith. I haven't listened to it in a while, but one of the premises is like looking at the founding of our country through the lens of the year 1619, Mm -hmm. because that is when people who were enslaved first arrived in our country. And a lot of the right wing nitpicking is saying that like, oh, well, our country wasn't founded in 1619 and that's inaccurate. And it's like, well, okay, that's not when like Declaration of Independence was signed. That's not when, you know, a constitution came to be. But the project is looking at American history through the lens of slavery. Right. Right. And so what they're calling it an accuracy is just like a different lens that people are looking at it through. And so to kind of like derail, to kind of throw out the whole project based on that is really bad faith and nonsense. I don't want to get into like the 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 like allegations of of inaccuracies and whatnot because that's not what our show is about. But it's really more for me about like the the backlash. Like there is a very vocal group of pundits who claim to want very vigorous discussions about controversial issues, right? And usually when they say those things, it's either transphobia or it's race science. So those are the two things that they only want to discuss. But here comes the 1619 Project with, you know, sort of a a redefinition of American history. And all of a sudden these people are completely silent. They're either silent or they're actively like trashing this project saying, it it shouldn't be platformed at all. Like they they immediately turn personal, which is what they always do anyway. But like these people are supposed to be quote unquote free speech champions, and they completely fold when it's a free speech issue that they don't care about or that they disagree with. And this ha- is happening again with Hannah Nicole Jones at North Carolina. Um, just looking at our notes here, like ten people on the thirteen member board were white men like the board that that made the job offer, there was this bizarre letter that was written by Walter Hussman Jr., who is an Arkansas newspaper publisher and a very significant donor to the North Carolina Journalism School. He gave like a $25 million commitment to the university in 2019. Behind the scenes, he wrote an email like objecting to her appointment for this role in part by saying that her project doesn't recognize like sympathetic whites enough, which is that attitude actually backs up the thesis of the 1619 project. Uh, I'm just going to throw that out there. Yep. Um, There's, I don't think evidence that this email was like a deciding factor or or not, but it's clearly influential when somebody who's giving millions of dollars to a school makes their opinion known. Yeah, I mean, well, like his, the school is named after him, right? As a, and he made a $25 million commitment to the journalism school. And so even if it wasn't the deciding factor, obviously him, you know, throwing his weight around is going to have an impact because he's a big funder. Right. And then 
the hilarious part is that obviously the email got leaked to the press and the press called it for comment. And he said, I don't think I can comment um, because I still consider myself a journalist. So commenting publicly would be me being political. But the guy's being political behind the scenes. Like, come on, bro. (laughs) What are you doing? You can't have your cake and eat it, too. Like, the whole thing is infuriating to me because she was quite clearly canceled in a very material way. And this entire outrage culture of, like, anti-cancel culture, like, cancel culture is the worst thing since you know, sliced bread, here's my Patreon, give me money. All of a sudden, they're like wishy-washy about this. Like, it's some of them were like, okay, yeah, she was treated unfairly or whatever. But like, I saw, um, what's his name? Connor Friedersdorf, the writer for The Atlantic, who has written about the project ad nauseum. He's written about cancel culture. God, every week, I'm sick of his takes because they're usually wrong. Um, and he's out there going, well, you know, I, I was very clear that I thought that the way she was treated was wrong, but um, the people who agree with her have an easier time getting heard in academia. And it's like, that's actually probably not true at the moment, because there's these states that are passing bills to, like, attack academic speech. <laughs> oh, my gosh, it's wild there have been there have been five states that have passed Mm -hmm. uh legislation to ban like critical race theory or kind of some of the tenets of that uh about a dozen states are considering it altogether Uh and some of them go so far as to name the 1619 project specifically and saying that uh, institutions in schools can't teach that which is wild yeah and it's become an issue now and like um, I was reading an article the other day about conservatives who are running for local school boards, and they were like, we're running against critical race theory in school and trans kids on sports teams, and this is what's going to get us elected. And it's like, is this really in the best interests of students to just ban things outright? Like, isn't this the big worry that we've always been like talking about from the quote unquote free speech warriors. Like they they were worried about legitimate censorship. Well, this is actually legitimate legal censorship where there are legal penalties for saying certain things in a classroom. Like this is the threat. This is the literal threat that you have been telling people about for years and you won't take a stand against it because you agree with that now. You agree with the side, the political arguments being made. And it is disgusting. These people are not legitimate. They're grifters. I am so tired of them. I'm sorry. I'm going on a rant. I'm just pissed off. I mean, you you keep going. You, I'm, I'm with you. Like, the other thing is they're actually codifying their ideology into Mm -hmm. law and saying, you can't say this, you can't talk about this. Whereas like there might be, you know, consequences for them being racist or transphobic or bigoted or whatever, but like legally they can say whatever the hell they want. Right. And so they, they are trying to actually censor people. They've never wanted a debate. Like legitimate debate has never been the goal. 
the goal is to, has always been to win the ideological war. And the way you end up winning an ideological war, one of the ways you can do it is not by having the best ideas or the most convincing arguments. You can just get the, you know, the gerrymandered government from your state to just like ban the things that you don't like. And that's what's happening. That is what's happening in issue after issue. Like, I don't care if it's cancel culture, the 1619 project, abortion, trans rights, whatever. Like, th these are, this is an ideological war. Like, this is, I don't, I need to, like, have a drink of water. This is just. Take a second, breathe. The shit is enraging. <sighs> like, I'm almost, like, lost for words. Like, I know that, you know, we've been talking for, I mean, I've been talking for decades about the hypocrisy. Mm -hmm. But, like. It just keeps getting worse and worse. Yeah. And it's just like, like, I feel like I'm, my head's going to explode sometimes. <sighs> but yeah, it's all just rhetoric and bullshit in the grift. It, there's just, there's nothing. The grift is the worst part. Like, they've taken people in and, like, positioned themselves as these un unassailable truth tellers who are in it for the liberal values and protecting the controversial speech and they fold cheaper, like they fold faster than one of Donald Trump's suits. Like I don't, and then they have the nerve to sit there and go support me on Patreon. Like they're not actually doing anything. They're just making a profit for profit's sake and not having any actual impact because they're just weak willed individuals. Um, I realize I'm like going all in on this, but like it makes me so mad. All of it. Like Hannah and Nicole Jones getting denied tenure is direct related to the the states that are passing bills like banning critical race theory. I mean, we don't need to do it this way. <laughs> like, why can't we have an actual discussion about this stuff? Well, and the other thing is like the grifters are having an impact, right? They're putting like really shitty and harmful ideas into the world and amplifying mm -hmm. that and like getting people like caught up in getting people caught up in like all of these bad faith arguments mm -hmm. it, while they're making a profit and sp spreading bad ideas. It's like pretty, yeah. it's pretty frustrating. It, it all becomes so enraging when you think about how many gutless wonders are just spinning around in the pundit universe. <laughs> The American pundit universe, cinematic pundit universe. It's so frustrating because, like, it's not just, like, right wing and some mm -hmm. of these, like, you know, grifty, mm -hmm. independent journalists, air quotes, or whatever. But, like, you know, I'm seeing segments on, like, a lot of mainstream outlets. Like, mm -hmm. 60 Minutes just did a whole segment with Piers Morgan. Like, what the hell? Yeah. Like, why? Why are you giving yeah. this man a platform? Like, and we're seeing um, this is already having a chilling effect on academic speech because we're seeing, I mean, there's reports all over Twitter about schools who are like emailing professors or teachers with like, are you teaching this? Like, please report to us if you're teaching any of this stuff classes have been canceled like classes that didn't even mention critical race theory like i i read about there was a a, a law school and 
the class was just like like a race and the law class, right? Like how race and the law interact, which has probably been taught for years at this place. And now they're looking at like canceling that class altogether, which is shitty. And the, like the class has never, ever taught critical race theory. So like the impact of these laws extends far beyond whatever the pundits want it to apply to. It's going all like it's extending far and wide. And that's exactly how censorship has always worked. Yeah. And I think that, you know, the, the thing that is that they are trying to do right is to make it so young people don't have access to this information and don't have access to these ideas because Mm -hmm. the idea is to, like erase and get rid of these ideas, right? And have a more conservative um, white supremacist view of the world and country kind of more, even more indoctrinated, Mm -hmm. right? Because like uh, that's already indoctrinated into our education system. And so, you know, I think on on the whole, in the long run, we're going to keep fighting and that's not going to be effective. But if those ideas are harder to access, right. like it is going to be somewhat effective, right? I mean, you've heard the axiom, the victors write history, right? Conservatives thought they won on this and they're mad now that there are people who have the power to like talk about history they don't agree with. I don't know. It's just... I don't think it's that controversial to present another take on history. Whether you agree with it or not, I believe that there's always room for legitimate discussion about this stuff. And I don't think that's an unreasonable basis to start from. Like, if you want to, like, call me a radical lefty or whatever, what is it, the, the excesses of the left somebody was writing about for why conservatives are winning. <laughs> if this is an excess of the left, then I think that like marginalized people are allowed to have comments on history, like burn me at stake, like burn me at the lefty stake. I don't care. Like I, I'll go to the grave with that one, but. I, I'll take that a step farther. I'll say that most of the history that we get is like grounded in white supremacy and like mm-hmm. actually really unhelpful um, and ahistorical and that we yeah. should be hearing a lot more of those uh, different takes uh, and maybe maybe should get rid of some of that propaganda. The other thing too that I'll say, and this is just on a micro level, uh, I don't know if people know this, but both of my parents were teachers. So what gets taught in school is very important to me um, just uh, on a family basis. But the Texas law in particular is especially problematic because Texas uh, being the second biggest state in the union has a massive influence on textbook production. So if the state of Texas doesn't want something printed in their textbooks, they do have the power to force like the educational system to bend to their will because the, like the textbook producers are capitalists. They want to make money and they're not going to cut themselves out of the Texas market, you know, uh, by not serving it, right? So the fact that Texas is taking steps to step in and try to control the educational narrative has a knock-on effect to states that are outside of Texas. And this is a thing that Texas knows. Like, this is a thing that they've practiced for a long time. Like, it's like a wink-wink, nudge-nudge. 
oh, this is just Texas controlling Texas. No, it's not really. Like, Texas can control New York if they want to, like. Yeah. Um, I, Texas is my home state, initially. Oh, I, don't, I don't think I knew that. Yeah, I am originally a Texan. Um, and yeah, like, the our education system and our rules around education affects the education system nationwide and what's in um, textbooks nationwide. Like Caitlin was just saying, you know, it's not just these individual states, these individual communities when, when we're looking at Texas, it's, it's the whole country, which is, uh, has a huge chilling effect, right? Like it's bad enough if it's just Texas, but yeah, yeah. There are some incredible people pushing for change in Texas. There's incredible activism going on there. There's incredible queer communities there, um, et cetera, et cetera. But God, the government. God, the government there. Caitlin, are you ready to get some out-of-context cancellations? I am so sad that we missed them on our last show and I'm excited to get to them. Yes, let's get to it. So our first one... Uh, which did not come from me. I will just say this, but I, I support it anyway. Um, we're going to cancel the LGB Alliance, which uh, is a UK based hate group that claims to support lesbian, gay and bisexual cis people. Uh, but really they're a front for straight people to try to dismantle the rights of trans people. Yep. They are a really shitty anti-trans hate group and I am down to cancel their bullshit. <laughs> Get rid of them. Uh, we're also canceling Arizona's corrections department for planning to use the same gas used in Nazi concentration camps to enforce their death penalty and for that matter, I think we should just go ahead and cancel the death penalty altogether. Yeah, um, that is, that is yikes. That is big yikes. It's a big yikes. Yeah, fuck Arizona's corrections department. Just fuck that. And the death penalty. Just bullshit all around. Want to nix that. Um, and then also, uh, one of our listeners wanted us to cancel Pennsylvania Republicans in the State House for voting to make people who miscarry fill out a fetal death certificate, which is just really gross. Like, don't don't put people who are going through trauma through more trauma. It's just another attempt for them to create legal personhood for fetuses. Basically, I've covered this stuff before, and it's just really gross. Mm, so gross. We're also canceling greedy assholes killing online communities. I hope they weren't referring to us. <laughs> no, they weren't. They weren't. Um, <laughs> there was context. I didn't read the context. So this yeah. is out of context for even us. Yes. But we don't like greedy assholes. We don't like like them killing online communities. So that <laughs> seems that seems totally... I'm The cancel daddy doesn't us. need the context. <laughs> Oh, God. What online community would we be killing? We didn't do a show last week. I mean, our, our <laughs> Discord is still around. I'm so laden with guilt. Oh, honey, you 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 needed to take a break. You needed to take care of yourself. I should have hauled my Yeti to the hospital. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, my gosh, Caitlin. Um, Work-life balance, taking care of yourself is really important. I think all of our listeners understand that you needed to just take the week off. 
Uh, okay, fine. We're also going to cancel non-disabled people who are wading into the identity or person first conversation, like their opinions are relevant. Like if you are a non-disabled person and you have a lot of feelings about disability language, maybe, maybe let that go. Maybe that's just like not, not something that you need to get all up in arms about. I don't know. Yeah. Take a walk or go outside. Close Twitter. Yeah, like just like support disabled people and what they're saying and realize that it's like you don't you don't have to have an opinion on everything. How about we turn a little bit lighter here, but people canceling dates last minute and then going radio silent. It's really annoying. Yeah. I yeah. mean been there. I'm not saying more than that. <laughs> Who have been there too? People, people, especially like online dating, get really flaky. Uh, There's yeah. some strange words on online dating. Like there was this one guy who, like, before we ever met in person, was sending me like apartment listings. Like, would you want to live here with me? And I'm like, maybe I shouldn't meet you in person. Yeah, good, good call. Uh, but listeners- I arranged a date anyway, and then he ghosted me. <laughs> Weird. What a psychopath. Um, listeners can't see my face, but it is contorted <laughs> in so many different ways right now. I didn't know your face could turn that way. <laughs> um, and then of course we must cancel Caitlyn Jenner. Yes, and personal note, if you make me defend Caitlyn Jenner from transphobia in my Twitter mentions, you will be blocked. I don't care if you follow me. I don't care if you give money to my Patreon. If you come into my mentions telling, like, lecturing me about why it's okay to use Caitlyn Jenner's dead name, you're catching a block. I'm sorry. I'm just saying it now. Oh, my Lord. Like, gee, yeah, that's that that's really annoying. Like, just just don't be a transphobe. There's plenty there's plenty of ways to criticize Caitlyn Jenner, who is a disaster of a human without being transphobic. It's just it's so easy. So just like chillax. Yeah. Yeah. And if you want to submit something for out of context cancellation, you can join our discord and become a Patreon on our show. Yes. So with just a $5 a month Patreon commitment. You can access our Discord. Um, but we also have some other great perks as well for our Patreon supporters. Uh, one thing that we've slacked on is we are supposed to do a monthly video call, and I don't think we got one in the last couple of months. I take responsibility for that. I am tempted to blame it on my health issues because I just have not been feeling great at all. Um, but at the end of the day, it's something that we committed to and and didn't follow through on. So I do apologize for that, but we are planning on getting another one going. So if you are a Patreon supporter of ours, look out on either discord, or I'm going to put something on Patreon itself for scheduling purposes, but your support, all of your financial support helps us become a weekly show, which again is still our goal. We still have ways to go to get there. Um, but we are still extremely thankful for all the support that we've been getting. And you can find our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash cancel me, daddy. Cancel me, daddy. (laughs) You don't have to leave that in. (laughs) I just like saying it. (laughs) Today's show was made by me, Oliver Ash Klein, and my... 
incredible co-host, Caitlin Burns. Daniel Peterschmidt made our theme song and Eden MW designed our graphics. Our show is made possible by the incredible cancelers supporting our work, especially the members of our Cancelor Hall of Fame, with the great power to cancel all of their enemies, Alice and Meg. We appreciate your support. Happy canceling!